and welcome to this week's episode of the Cancer Cure Me podcast. This is Russell Pete, your host, and today I've got another fantastic interview uh, for you this 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 afternoon. I want to introduce you to a, a new friend of mine, someone who I've gotten to know in the last couple of months particularly well because, believe it or not, he and I had the same exact type of cancer. But I want you to hear his amazing story and how cancer. She's not just cured of cancer like me and many others are, but how cancer also cured him. He's got such a fantastic story. So let me introduce to you my new friend, Bruce Clark. Hey, Bruce, welcome to the Cancer Cure Me podcast. Hey, Russell, thank you. I appreciate uh, the invite and looking forward to uh, a a great uh, recording here. Fantastic. Well, Bruce, let's just get right into it, man. Again, I've already mentioned that you and I, we met through a mutual friend, to put it that way. We were trying to connect the dots and see how what the whose friend it was. I think it was our friend Steve Orduno. Uh, yeah. God rest his soul. He ended up passing away recently, a couple of years ago. But man, as always, just do me a favor and share with our listeners your cancer journey. Then we'll get into later how cancer cured you and, and all that stuff. But tell me, tell me your story. If, you, if someone says, tell me your cancer story, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Yeah, it was 2020, you know. So, uh, of course, that year was when all the nonsense with the COVID started. Right. And the beginning of 2020. And uh, as a small business owner, you know, I was really affected by that. We, uh, a contracting business. So, you know, we were facing a lot of trials and challenges and unknowns and the thing was, uh, how do we survive that, right? right. And, and as a business person, but there was nobody to ask because nobody <laughs> ever been through anything like that. Right. And the fear factor and all the things that went along with uh, the, the, the COVID thing and everything was pretty significant. But uh, in June of 2020, uh, Father's Day, actually, uh, I was having a bout of diverticulitis, if you know what that is. But that's basically uh, an inflammation or infection in the colon. Ah. And uh, most people have what they call a little polyps, like a little pouch on the colon, and sometimes they get infected. And so I was like on my back, wow. you know, with pain in my abdominal area from this. And so... Um, at the time I didn't have medical insurance, unfortunately. So I just had to tough it out and it it was, it's kind of debilitating. So when I did finally get uh, insurance in August of 2020, the doctor said, okay, well I'll prescribe antibiotics. And I said, okay, great. So a 10 day run of antibiotics that pretty much cleared up the diverticulitis. But by that time I had already lost a bunch of weight. And, you know, I couldn't eat still very well and those kind of things. So I got the antibiotics and then that seemed to help. But after about two weeks, uh, I still had pain in my upper right torso, my just below my rib cage. And, you know, I thought it was part of the diverticulitis because it was all the abdominal area where I was having pain. But so I told my wife, look, you know, there's something wrong. I I, got to go to the ER. So I went there. Thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to the ER and COVID is going to be packed, right? (laughs) You know, but the thing was, they would not let my wife in. So she had to drop me off because they would only let people in. I went in there and there was hardly anybody in the place, you know? So I was going, okay. Um, So I got to in there and I 
described what I was happening and the physicians there said, okay, we're going to do a CT scan and an ultrasound. Right. So after a couple hours, they did that, you know, they did the ultrasound and I told the technician doing the ultrasound, man, cause she had me on my side and this and that. And I told her right where the pain was. I told her you're right on it with your probe, <laughs> you know? So, and then the CT, when I came back, when the nurse says, man, you were gone a long time. Uh, okay. So <laughs> waiting for the results, you know, I was sitting there and then the physician assistant came in and he says, well, you know, cause they did blood test uh, as well, blood work. And he said, you know, your white blood count is kind of high, but you could get that roll in your ankle. And then he points to the other page and it said lymphoma. Uh -huh. And I was like, and just like this, I told him, huh, well, that was unexpected, you know, which it was. I mean, that was the last thing I ever expected to hear right. at that point. And so, you know, I, I was pretty well shocked. It was just at that moment, rocking my world. Here I am by myself in right. the emergency room. And, um, you know, I, I had to, now I had to call my wife to come pick me up. Yeah. And so I'm thinking like, man, you know, the, the word cancer, it, it's, it's pretty heavy. You know, yeah. I mean, I didn't I know didn't tell her. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know anything about cancer. I mean, you know, I was really in kind of shock and, I'm thinking, well, is this a death sentence? You know, what am I going to do? But one thing, and I don't know if I thought of it right off as, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you know, that came to mind by his stripes, I am healed huh. in the past tense, you know, and um, that became significant as time went on. My, my faith uh, is part of this whole journey. Right. And so I called the wife and said, Hey, you know, I'm done. Come pick me up. And the whole time I'm waiting, I'm thinking, well, how am I going to tell my wife, right. you know, so, that I have cancer, you know? Yeah. And so she, she got there and I told her, look, why don't you park for a minute? You know, <laughs> so, cause we had to drive home, but I, she, so we did. And I told her, well, cause she's asking, well, what'd they say? What did they say? And so I told her, you know, that they said I had lymphoma mm. and that I would have to see an oncologist, you know, for, for treatment and so on. Right. And then at the same time, we're just talking about it's like, I need to call my kids. I have right. an adult son who's married with his own kids right. and an adult daughter who lives uh, near me right. here in California. And then my daughter with her family is in Georgia. So, um, you know, I have five grandkids and, wow. and it's, uh, you know, I, so I called my, we're talking, well, how, how do we tell how, my kids? I mean, again, yeah. not knowing anything about cancer, not knowing if this was a death sentence or right. how we're going to respond to it, right. how we're going to deal with it. Right. Uh, none of those things. So I called my son and told him. And, uh, and my daughter too. And that, that was a really emotional experience to not only to tell my wife, but to tell my kids, uh, you know, um, uh, that I had cancer, you know, yeah. and, and it was scary, you know, not knowing all these things. So, you know, at that point, 
the, you know, I started uh, at that after that was to start scheduling oncology appointments and those kind of things. And I, and I, and here in California, I was with a facility called Kaiser Permatine. Familiar with them? Yeah. So I went in and, and they're telling me, look, you know, we got to do some more tests and this and that. Um, we got to, they did more blood tests and said, oh, your, uh, your calcium is too high. We need to lower it before we can even start any kind of treatment. And uh, so they gave me an infusion, you know, via intravenous infusion with, I I don't remember the the medication, but within 24 hours, I was throwing up, man, I had headaches. I was like, you know, and it was Labor Day weekend, long weekend. (laughs) And, you know, I had a bunch of side effects from this stuff. So, uh, you know, following Tuesday, when they opened up, I called them and you know, tell them, okay, well, that's enough of that. I'm not doing that again. Right. But, uh, so talking to the oncologist, uh, a young lady and she said, well, I had two choices for chemo. That was their first line of of treatment, Uh, a less invasive or a more invasive. And I said, well, let's do the less invasive. Of course. <laughs> so, you know, because, you know, I started doing some research after that between and just like, hey, what is lymphoma? Yeah. What are the treatments? And one of the treatments is what they call R-CHOP. It's a, it, it's chemotherapy that involves five different drugs Yeah, and pretty invasive for what, what I, my research was telling That's me. what I had. I, it's really bad stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I chose the less invasive. So I went two days a month for six months. And then at the end of that treatment, uh, we did a PET scan and they determined um, that the chemo had not been 100% effective. I still had the lymphoma. Wow. And they, so their next suggestion. How long was that again? I'm sorry. That was in, uh, well, I was diagnosed in August of 2020. How long on the chemo before they said? Uh, six, uh, six months. So I started the chemo in September of 2020. Right. And so that lasted for six months. Um, and actually, you know, I went through it really well. I, I didn't have side effects to speak of. I, you know, went in there and, um, you know, just being in that infusion room was quite an experience, as you know. <laughs> and because, you know, there's all types of people there, all, all walks of life, all different age groups. And one thing I noticed is, that there are people who come in that are seem seem to be sick. You know, they 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 are 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 depressed sometimes, or they're just quiet, or you know, all this. So that was a whole new experience being in an infusion room for several hours with a needle in my arm. You know, right. getting infusion of the chemo. Yeah, and but you know, I I still tried to be as upbeat as I could and interact with the staff there and so on. And so I, you know, it wasn't a bad experience as far as side effects and those kind of things. Right. But so after the initial round, they said, yeah, you, you still have some lymphoma left and Kaiser suggested I do a bone marrow transplant. But first I would have to take the R-CHOP then go into the hospital where they give you more chemo and that kills everything, including your bone marrow. It kills your whole immune system 
Yeah, that before they could do that, because they have to take your bone marrow out before, then they wipe out your immune system, and then they it's almost like planting a new a new yard. That's what the guy told me. He said then they they re- kind of rebuild your immune system from the beginning all over again, and and this is all part of the protocol. But I I mean I don't know how you I just thought I don't want to do that. But anyway, right. I'll, I'll let you go ahead and finish your story. Yeah, yeah, and I I thought the same thing. So I mean we we checked it out right, and we went to uh, L.A because that's where the would have to take place. I mean, that's an hour and a half drive from us. And uh, they said, oh no, you got to stay up there in like a hotel or whatever, get treatment every day. You need a driver you know, and, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. and stay once they, once they uh, get through the initial process, so you're, you're in the hospital for four to six weeks. I mean, isolated yeah. because yeah. as you, you said, no, you have no immune system. You can die that's from correct. a cold. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have no immune system. So yeah. after listening to him, I'm going, no, I, I, I'm not doing it. I'm going, hell no, I'm not doing that. Not, <laughs> this does not sound like something I'm interested in. Right. And uh, I even talked to several other doctors, second opinions. And uh, in the meantime, I'm checking this stuff out, man. I'm checking out treatments, holistic treatments, because we kind of like that, you know, the holistic, right. integrative, uh, more natural stuff. What can we do? And so I'm already thinking, no, there's got to be alternatives to something so severe, something so debilitating as a bone marrow transplant. Right. And and there are cases where your own bone marrow can be rejected, you know? Mm. And so uh, it, it, it wasn't going to be a fun trip. <laughs> so eventually, um, and, 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 and talking to, and I would like to encourage people, man, if they, if they're with their doctor and they don't particularly care for that person or uh ask for a second opinion don't be afraid right. to ask for a second opinion absolutely and uh my first oncologist uh and one of the appointments we had uh i had developed a, a, a thing on my face and i thought it was like a whitehead like a, a you know a, a, a zit or something or a pimple and it was fairly small at the time and i'm i'm sitting three or four feet from her and i asked her would you let's take a look at this you know because it's it's not going away and she said oh well she wouldn't even get out of her chair to come and look and she said oh i'll give you antibiotics and by this time my wife and above at the same time are going no you won't you know, because <laughs> this is not part of the cancer protocol you know to be doing this kind of thing and so we got a different uh, oncologist which was a good move good for you yeah but also, uh, I, I remember talking to one of the supposed lymphoma specialists there, and Chris Wark, you mentioned him, and I had uh, some information from him, and I was asking him, like, okay, well, do you think sugar has anything to do, uh, diet or sugar has anything to do with the prevalence of cancer? And he's saying, no, I, I don't. And I'm thinking, well, this guy's kind of an idiot. He doesn't know, right? <laughs> So eventually when I completed all the chemo there at Kaiser, I decided to get away from Kaiser. I, I was not happy with the people, the doctors there, the treatment that they were suggesting and so on. So um, I had a very nice lady help me get into a different health care program, uh, insurance and so on. And I went to an independent doctor for an uh, oncologist uh, called C-Care, the letter C-Care. Mm-hmm. And he was a great guy. You know, he was an older gentleman, but uh, oncologist, very much a people person, uh, but they're limited on what they could do. And so in um, 
in June, uh, May, May, I believe it was of 20, uh, it was 22. He, uh, after being him for, he said, well, I, I, I'll did some research. I'm going to give you this pill to, cause we were doing PET scans and C scans, uh, C scans along the way and it's showing the lymphoma. And you're, are you familiar with the PET scans and how they work? Yeah, the CT, they call them eye to thigh. They, they, they scan you from your eye down to your thigh to check your whole body out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they give you a radioactive glucose, you know, as a shot. So they let that circulate for a while. And what happens is uh, that lights up in the, in the PET scan because uh, the cancer cells uh, in particular take up glucose. And it makes it glow in the PET scan. The very first one I did, man, look, I looked like a Christmas tree. You know, I was <laughs> so lit up all over my body. And that's how they determine the activity. Uh, and, and I had lymphoma. So the activity of how much glucose is taken up indicates, you know, the activity of the lymph nodes and where they're at in the body. Right, right. So, um we didn't went back to the the sea care oncologist in uh, May of 22. He gave me a pill that he said he did some research on that they had uh, used successfully with lymphoma. Well, six days later, I was throwing up blood, <laughs> and my 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 uh, blood pressure dropped so low I was passing out, and wow. so you know I had to go to ER for that and get straightened out and so on uh so that was a fail you know i mean <laughs> realistically uh this drug was twenty thousand dollars a month but that the man- yeah wow yeah the manufacturer uh had a program so they covered the cost of the medication but yeah twenty thousand dollars a month i mean ridiculously expensive yeah ridiculously expensive so we knew that was a fail. And so, um, well, I didn't do anything after that, except we, in the meantime, we're still doing holistic and so on. But, um, uh, and I will back up a minute. I, one of the, and this is how we met after I was diagnosed in, in early 21, we started researching alternative treatment centers, one, uh, several of them in Mexico, Rubio being one. Right, uh, and there were a couple others we looked at uh, in Mexico, and the different protocols that they had in mind. Right. So, uh, but like it wasn't really going to work out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, you know, we but this wasn't going to work out. You know, mind financially and so on uh, because right. none of it's covered by insurance. Right. Right. And uh, as a small business, I I was I had two small businesses at the time. And, you know, being away six weeks or whatever the time period was, it just yeah, wasn't yeah. going to fly, not right. financially and for other reasons. So, uh, through a referral from my wife got, I went to um, the cancer the cancer treatment center in Irvine, run by Dr. Leah Keneally, which was one of the interviewers that on the summit we watched recently. Right, right. And there, so it was an integrative alternative treatment center, and I did. I took. Um, uh, intravenous IV mistletoe. Uh, I eventually did, uh, you know, like ozone therapy and some of the other things. And they, through their testing said, I, their protocol eventually when they figured out was insulin potentiated low dose chemo. 
And basically, they their protocol was to inject you with insulin, which opens the door for the lymphoma, the cancer cells, and then they use a low dose chemo, the the R chop, but a, a lower dose. So, right. but it was coming out to about four thousand dollars a month out of pocket. Wow, you know, so that was I, I just had to stop. I couldn't I couldn't do it anymore, and um, but still pursuing you know, trying to eat better and yep. cleaner and sure. doing this period of time and with the faith, you know, became really important. And I'll mention this too. What one thing is about, we know is, and you, you had mentioned earlier, cancer affects the entire family. Yep. It's just not the loved ones, friends, and so on. It's not just the person with cancer. Right. It's, it's all the people who we are around and associate with and our, our loved ones and so on. Yeah. And my wife uh, was my caregiver, you know, during all, it's running me back and forth to hospitals and doctor's appointment and so on. And I think Indeed. caregivers are so underappreciated yeah. and especially as family members, but you're absolutely right. The whole, it's as if the whole family gets that disease. Right. And so, um, you know, everybody's affected in this, in this journey. Now, if I, I don't mean to interrupt you there, Bruce, but I know the very first time we talked, you know, we, we, we were out of shot. We were just, we were, we thought it was not funny, miss, but it was just interesting that we both had the, basically the same exact cancer. I had a large B cell lymphoma. Mm -hmm. You had non-Hodgkin's, you had non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Right. And, um, we both basically had the same story. I went to meet with my oncologist, but I had decided, unlike you, we're, we're the same, but a little bit different. We had decided because my father-in-law had, uh, as my listeners know, I told my story on a previous episode, my father-in-law had already had lymphoma and I, we watched him die, in our opinion, from the treatment, not from the cancer. And so we had decided way before I even had cancer, because he died in 2010, I was diagnosed in 2013. We decided that if we ever got cancer, we were not going to go the conventional route. We're going to go the alternative route because we had done research like, you know, and there's other ways and other treatments and protocols out there that could help us with our cancer. So when I got cancer in 2013, I decided we're not doing this, but I didn't want to meet with the oncologist to find out what kind of cancer I had, what stage it was, but, but I wasn't planning on doing the, the chemo because I knew that was going to be the the treatment that they recommended. Sure enough, we met with her. It was on a Monday. I'll never forget it. Uh, she told me that I was stage two, large B cell lymphoma, very aggressive, very fast growing. She's, but here's the protocol. It's 18 months of this chemo and we can start you on Friday. <laughs> you know, no time to think about, no time to research. Just, oh, we can, we, here's right. the plan and we can get you started. It's like they want to throw you in a conveyor belt right away, you know? And, but I, I didn't care because I wasn't going to do it anyway. And that we just didn't go back. And most of our listeners know the rest of the story. I ended up having to go back 10 months later because the cancer had gotten so bad. And, and that's when I ended up having to have the R-CHOP, which is so strong. And as listeners know, it had, for me at least, it had to be administered in the hospital uh, over a course of four days because that R-CHOP stuff is so toxic that, uh, I mean, in fact, I had to be hooked up 24 hours a day to all these machines. One was monitoring my breathing, all these diodes over my body. I had a camera on me 24 hours a day for the four days I was there because one of those R-CHOP drugs, one of the five drugs can stop your heart, the other can stop your breathing. And yeah. uh, it was it's tough. And, you know, and being that, as you said, kind of that treatment environment is not the best because everyone around you is looking bad and, you know, and feeling bad. And uh, I didn't go to an infusion center because I was in the cancer ICU ward at my local hospital, but there are other patients wow. there. And I watched them roll patients in and roll patients out, if you know what I mean. And, and uh, 
But luckily, I had my wife. My wife was my my caregiver as well. But I, I wanted I didn't want to get into all that because my story's been told already. But I, I remember on our initial conversation, you you ended up having to go in for surgery or something. Could you talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah. So um, as time progressed, in, uh, so in October uh, after my bout, well, I was telling you with the the pill the doctor gave me, didn't do nothing for a while uh, right. as far as treatment. So he said, okay, let's take another CAT scan. And that was in October of 22. Right. And so I did that. And uh, Just a year ago. Yeah, a year ago. So my wife and I went to the, the, the place where they did this CAT scan was near a local restaurant. So we went in and we're having dinner. And it was like 5.30 and I get a call on my phone from my oncologist's office. I'm going, well, that's weird, man. Th- these people don't call me at 5.30 in the evening. <laughs> and so he said, well, I mean, I hadn't been out of the CAT scan for maybe 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And he says, well, sorry, I have bad news. You have an abscess in your abdomen and it needs to be drained. Oh. And um, he said, well, you know, if you feel bad, you can go into the ER or you can wait till Monday and I'll give you a referral to a surgeon, you know, for this. Well, I thought, OK, Friday after Friday night, this doesn't sound great. And an abscess in my so I checked myself in into the local ER and 12 hours later, I was finally in a room and <laughs> they they wouldn't do anything with it because. They said, we don't do this kind of surgery here unless it's an emergency. And since I didn't have a raging infection or nothing like that, but they did at least get me on antibiotics and that helped. So when I got released on Monday, uh, I I called my oncologist. He gave me a referral to a surgeon at UCSD. And so we called and scheduled an appointment for the following week. And but while I was in the ER, I talked to one of their doctors there and he says, yeah, you have an abscess. You've got something going on in your abdomen. Your tumor is the size of a rugby ball. And I'm going like, what? I don't even know what a rugby ball is. It's like a football. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So he goes, yeah, you know, you're you're going to have to have something. And that was talk about another shock. I mean, I had no idea that. How could a tumor get so big? Right. And I'm still walking around, you know, uh, not feeling too bad, right? But yeah, so that was a shock. And sure. so we, we, like I said, we got out and made the appointment the following week. We went to see a surgeon at UCSD and he says, yeah, looking at your uh, CT scan, yeah, you have a large tumor in your abdomen that has infiltrated your spleen, part of your stomach, and the tip of the pancreas. And he says, well, you know, I can't tell if there is any bowel involvement or not, which could mean a colostomy or whatever. So we scheduled it. Like he goes, I'll be traveling in November. I would like to do the surgery myself, uh, but, and I don't even know when I can get you in the emergency or into the operating room. So, we're talking to his assistant. He left and we're talking to the assistant. He come back about 30 minutes later, says, hey, it's a miracle. I like that word miracle. He <laughs> says, I got you in on November 2nd. That was two weeks uh, to for the surgery. And because he had explained, you're, you're kind of in a rock and a hard place. If you don't do 
the surgery, you could have mm. such a raging infection, we wouldn't be able to do anything. Wow. Or let's schedule the surgery. Right. And he said, you know, I'm going to have to remove your spleen, part of your stomach, and the tip of the pancreas, and not knowing what else until I get in there. Right. Uh. So again, shock, you know, it was like, and there was no, there was no time to make, uh, go home and think about it. Right. We had to decide right there. And especially when he says, you know, I got you available in two weeks. So, okay, let's do it. You know, we scheduled the surgery and two weeks later, you know, so now I'm trying to prepare as a business owner to be, uh, you know, I was going to be out, right? you know, with the surgery recovery and so on. And that was pretty another chef pretty emotional as well like yeah. you know people sure. and like he and, and and maybe you've heard this you know people on the when they go into surgery they always tell you well there's always a chance you ain't coming out of the surgery you right. know yeah. and, and it happens and so that was part of the whole uh shock or fear factor we had that, that day but we really liked the surgeon he answered all our questions he took the time uh with us to explain what was going to be done and so we felt very confident if anybody's going to do it, we want this guy to do it. Right. So I did. I went into the surgery and uh, yeah, they, they removed my spleen. They removed a portion of my stomach and the tip of the pancreas. He also sewed up some holes in my diaphragm. <laughs> and fortunately, praise God, there were no in bowel involvement. Yeah. So pretty major uh, hit you know, for that. So, uh, I spent about uh, seven to 10 days in the hospital and then it was recovery afterwards. So the whole time though, you know, you got to go back to the faith, right? Just thinking about all that. And I was out, I saw my oncologist, uh, was my new oncologist. So I transferred all my healthcare to UCSD. So I saw my new oncologist in December, a month later, a uh, month after the surgery. And uh, he said, well, what we got to do is now is start you on chemo, our chop. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, he's suggesting like we need to start you right away because they had reclassified uh, prior to that. It was a small B cell lymphoma called a follicular, meaning slow growing. Right. But when they did the biopsy on what they removed, they had reclassified it as very aggressive. Yeah, large piece. So he said, now we need to get you in chemo. And again, it was one of those things, our chop, I'd already done my research. I knew it could be bad. And so, okay, let's do, let's do it. At this point, there's no more, uh, you know, delaying or anything like that. So about a week and a half later, I started the, the R chop in, uh, in the infusion center here in Encinitas. And at first, they 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 schedule me for seven hours in the in the infusion room, and they because they start pushing it real slow to see your reaction. Are you gonna throw up? Are you gonna you know have other right. adverse reactions? Have a heart attack? Whatever. Right. So after uh, initial two hours, they said, "Man, you're you're doing fine," you know. So uh, <laughs> yeah, they pushed it. You know, they increased it. And so I was out of there in like four hours. Right. Um, and I didn't, other than the first treatment. So I had six rounds, you know, 18 weeks, uh, six rounds of chemo. And other than the first one, uh, I, uh, 
which caused me to have a, a bowel impaction and stuff like that. And what that was, I went back to the doctor and said, look, man, you got to put me in a hospital. I don't care what you do, but we got to get this figured out because yeah. I, it's severe pain in the abdominal area, right. especially after the surgery. So finally we figured out and I would suggest anybody with that, man, keep your bowels moving, you know, because that was part of the problem. Yeah. Once I figure that out, I praise the God. I didn't have any other side effects, man. I was in and out of there with the, all the other infusions in two hours. Wow. And so I didn't have other than the first round, uh, any side effects, not what I expected, not what I researched or anything. So and now, you know, being, you're, now you fast forward now, February of two of this year, 2023, you're doing great. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing good, you know, even from the surgery and all of that. Uh, so in March of this year, I completed right. the, the, the chemotherapy a month later, we did a PET scan and they said, well, yay, you're in remission. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that you're in remission except for one small lymph node, which is in what they call the retroperitoneal area. It's in toward the back where your arteries and veins go near the kidneys and so right. on. And they said, it's still taking up some of the glucose. It still seems to be active. It's small. And, but, um, you know, we, we want to get a biopsy. So they did a needle biopsy and they said, yeah, it does have the lymphoma in there, but it, it's the, the slow growing type. Yeah. And the oncologist said, well, we should probably surgically remove it so we can biopsy the whole thing. Well, ultimately I saw my surgeon, he's going, no. I'm not doing that. It's way in the back. I'd have yeah, to open yeah. you up. And so, no. So the decision was made. We're just going to wait and see, right. you know, after PET scans and cease until January and do another uh, PET scan. But yeah, I'm in remission. Praise God. You know, they call it remission in the medical field. We call it heal healed. That's right. And so, yeah, you know, but the emotional, physical, mental toll through the journey has been significant. That's That's for sure. Well, man, you know, I keep saying this. We have so much in common when it comes to our cancer. We have more in common when it comes to what got us through our cancer was our faith in God, our belief yes. that Jesus died for our sins and he already, he suffered so that we didn't have to suffer, you and right. I. And, uh, but speaking of that, because that ties right into what I know you're going to say about not what got you through it, but you came through this thing. You've been cancer-free, as I want to say. I'm just going to go ahead and claim it for you, brother. Yes. Cancer, you've been cancer-free since March of, of this year. I've been cancer yes. for eight years. So tell tell the listeners, you know, again, the whole idea of the Cancer Cure Me podcast is not just to interview people like yourself, myself, who have become cured or healed, as we like to say, but how cancer actually going through it made us better on the other side. So just could you mind briefly... If you had to sum it up, how would you say this whole cancer journey has changed Bruce Clark for the better? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, faith has been a big part of it. Uh, trusting the Lord yeah. and it, through this and, and trusting uh, in what his word says and getting the encouragement from uh, you know other believers, uh, the people I go to church with and the things like this and trying to uh, be an encouragement to other people. Right. And, you know, uh, because in the, in the infusion center, I, I would see all types of people there that are up and down and, and so on. I even asked, 
the uh, the nurses, look, do you see a difference in people coming in here that are depressed and down and out versus people who are upbeat in their healing and in their treatment? They said, absolutely. Hmm. So mindset is a huge thing. And I think part of it at least is the faith. And yeah, I being coming from the initial shock of the diagnosis, being scared and upset, uh, but at the same time, trying to have a calmness and a peace with this. And uh, it does give me a better understanding of how many people have cancer. You know, I, I mean, it, they talk about pandemics. Cancer is a pandemic. Absolutely. And one so three people today, one in three Americans have it. Yeah. But you know, like when you and I are coming up as kids, I, I don't think we're the same. I think you might be a little bit older than I, but I remember coming up when we were growing up, you heard about someone who had cancer, right? Now, right. Today, right. everyone personally knows someone. And right. That's how bad it's gotten. Everyone in this country personally knows someone who has cancer. That's, uh, to me, that is a, an, an epidemic, a pandemic. I mean, for lack of better, that's an epidemic for sure. But yeah, man, I, I, uh, I, I got to say, brother, we do have so much in common, our cancer, our faith, and what got me through is my little, my friend Brooks, who referred me to the Rubio Cancer Center, gave me a little book called uh, uh, God's Creative Healing. And it just had all these prayers in there that I would pray every day, just literally commanded my body to heal itself using the faith and the belief. You know, I believe that God gave us everything we need to heal ourselves and that we'll just have faith. You know, he said, and we could tell that we could look at that mountain and tell that mountain to move and it would get up right. and move, and move itself to the sea if we just had the faith of a mustard seed. So I just believe and I know I, I noticed as you told your story, it seems that as as you relied more and more on your on your faith, it made your those decisions that you and your wife had to make, even though they were last minute and not much time to think about it, it gave you the confidence to know, you know what, let's go ahead and do it because right. Not just because we we have no other option, but because we're going to get through this. And if this is what right, God right. says we have to do, we're going to do it. We're going to trust that right. this option is an option that God is telling us that we have to do. And that's just so much um, peace, as you said, in knowing that God's got this. I don't have to worry about it. I can't have faith and fear at the same time. And uh, and that's what got me through it. That sounds like what's, what's gotten you through it, man. And, right. and uh, I appreciate you sharing that. What an amazing story. I was telling my wife earlier before I said, I said, I've got an interview today for the podcast. She said, with who? I said, with Bruce Clark. She says, that the guy you said he had the same thing you had? I said, yeah, but his was much worse. He had all kinds of surgery. I didn't have to. And she says, yeah. And I and I said the same thing you just said. He he's the one that told me this story that he he asked a nurse if the people who are going through treatment who have a better attitude come out better. And, and I remember you saying that months, weeks ago when we talked. And that's so true. I believe that. Your mindset has everything to do with it. And uh, if you believe you'll be healed, you will. Now, ultimately, God's in control. So not unfortunately, right. unfortunately, Bruce, as, as bad of a pandemic or epidemic as it is, not everyone's story is up like yours and mine. Some people right. actually die. But right. but we, you and I both believe that going through it doesn't have to be a death sentence. You, I mean, we don't know if we're going to live or die. Only God knows that. But going through your cancer journey doesn't have to, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be a destiny. You don't have to become your cancer. You know, you don't have right. to be, you get to, if you don't, if you believe it's a death sentence, then you will have a horrible experience going through it. If you have faith that God's happy going through this for a reason, then 
even if you don't make it through successfully, you can go through it with a better perspective and maybe even a better quality of life as a result. So brother, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for being on and sharing your amazing story. I know people are going to benefit this. I can't wait to see the comments uh, from the folks who listen to this episode and share it. And guys, once again, speaking of sharing the podcast, if you enjoyed Bruce's story or any other stories that you've heard in our podcast, uh, be sure to share it with someone that you know who, who you think will benefit from it, whether they've got cancer, if someone Absolutely. in their family's got cancer. That's our whole goal here at the Cancer Cure Me podcast is to uh, impact others' lives by sharing our stories and the stories of others that we know and come in contact with, whether it's cancer or some other life-threatening disease that they may be facing, or their family members as well, because we know our families go through it with us. Uh, they may not have the cancer, but they go on the journey with us, and it affects them in ways that we don't even understand sometimes. So uh, again, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it to like and subscribe, they always say, and share it with someone else. And we look forward to, to you talking to you on the next episode of the Cancer Cure Me podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.